0: Hello and welcome to Everyday Design, the podcast about how design impacts your everyday life. I am urbanist Rachel Fisher. And I'm interior designer Abigail Hall. And
1: this month, Rachel, I'm going to tell you about something fabulous I went to on Tuesday. So quite hot off the press, very hot off the press. My fabulous girlfriend, Wendy Narby... Uh, who is an avid listener, and with whom Hello, I do, Wendy. and with whom I do a wine design tour in Bordeaux. More information will be available in the show notes. She invited me to an event at sixty-seven Pall Mall, which is a private members' wine club. Which I must say, when I first found out about it, I thought would be incredibly exclusive, incredibly snobby, because wine is an exclusive, inherently world. snobby, yeah. as
0: is Pall Mall. Not going to lie. However it's not true
1: in either case amazing it's very very welcoming and i'm hopeful that we're going to do a photo shoot there in the future and it was an event with liz Earle. now liz earl is a phenomenal journalist 30 years writing about um, health well-being beauty and she was a very interesting person to go and listen to not predominantly because of the design aspect but she talked so much about the gut feel that we have gut feel is something that is quite literal yep it is your gut there is the vagar nerve that goes from your brain to your intestines and that's why we have good feelings and bad feelings and the more i was sitting listening to her where she was talking about the importance of gut health and why your gut feel is so important the more i realize when i talk to my clients about why someone likes something Often they can't articulate it. They can't say, oh, well, the colours really resonate with me. Or, yes, I acknowledge that I, um, I holidayed in Tunisia. <laughs> and actually, yes. And therefore this, this yellow turmeric yeah, sort of colour makes it's, it's me very, feel of it. Yeah. It's very important to me. Rather, they just have a very strong emotional reaction to it. And actually what that is is a gut reaction. And I'm really fascinated by that. Now, Lizelle does a phenomenal podcast. You can follow her through her website, uh, lizellewellbeing.com. And I really want to learn more about our own personal health, our own personal wellbeing, and how that affects our choices, how it affects our mindset. And ipso facto, how it affects our choices on
0: design. That's really interesting. So one of the things that I've been in I've I've been kind of fascinated by for ages is this idea of behavioral economics yes. and behavioral psychology. And and for me, one of the things that impacts the decisions that you make more than anything really is is the kind of layout of the city that you live in. Yes. So this and, and I think we've talked about this before, but the idea that where you live, um, and, and its relationship, you know, in terms of its distance to your work or its distance to your school or whatever. Like, that effect, the choices that you make in terms of transportation, right? So it may be that um, you can walk to work. That's fantastic. That's really good for your physical well-being. That's really good for your mental well-being. And we have talked about that, the green space. Absolutely. The influence my, of that. Exactly. The
1: abundance of oxygen, et cetera, et cetera. Um,
0: and... Also, there's a lot of research about the impact of uh, the design of buildings in terms of your psychological well-being uh, and, and whether or not it's a healthy building. There's a thing called sick building syndrome, mm-hmm. where if you're working in a building that has poor natural light, that kind of thing, that that, that you become more unwell the longer that you work in this in this place. It, this idea of you are who you sit with or you are where you sit. So there's an exhibition on at the Welcome Centre at the moment called uh, Living with Buildings, which is all about architecture, well-being and design. Well, we have to talk to Lizelle about
1: that because that is absolutely case in point. Indeed. So We think about it from a design affecting well-being, but how about well-being influencing design yeah. to in turn well-being
0: so isn't. I think what you ultimately want to do is create a sort of obviously a virtuous circle about you know how you design the place and the space um and 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 also thinking about the impact of say color on people's psychological mood also I'm very interested in doing more research I must admit I've I've poo-pooed
1: in the past um products that portray themselves as it's, it's low phosphorus it 's low chemical mm. um, in terms of building materials, because I think about building materials from a technical point of view, from uh, the acoustic value, the structural value, but actually, there is a lot of thought and mindset that 's going into well w- can we not have the same acoustic value, structural value, but with it being more organic, less chemical, less yeah, leaving less of a a footprint, less of a residue. And if it doesn't leave a residue, surely that's something that's better for our well-being. So I'm. This is a watch this space So because I, terif- I, I want to. I want to learn more about it. I feel yeah. like I feel
0: quite poorly educated in this area. So I I have a, a weirdly uh, hyper sense of smell. Mm. Fun fact: uh, this is also to be very clear, not the superpower that you would wish to have with two small children. Oh yes, that's um. No. Yes. But I. So I have a, I have a really crazy sense of smell always have done. And I am therefore very susceptible to things like smells off paints, smells anywhere. And to the point where I get quite paranoid about smell because I can smell things that normal people just don't smell. Um, And so a lot of, you know, so so in my own home, I I use quite low impact paints because I want to make sure that this isn't something that's going to ultimately give me headaches and, and make me just feel quite unwell.
1: And that's what I want to learn more about. Is it just the smell that remains, or actually is it, is it emitting something? Interesting. So we're going to learn more about that. So this, this month I is more of a, this month I'm setting off on
0: a quest. This month I watch this space. Watch this space. Uh, what about you? I went to Florence. How horrible for you. <laughs> So I celebrated my fortieth birthday this month, uh, which was amazing in in many ways. And I basically decided that I was going to have a, a month or so of celebrations because you only turn forty once if you're lucky. As you should do. Actually, every let's make that every birthday. <laughs> so uh, my husband and I went to Florence without the children. Sons on sons baba, um, and it was literally the longest that my husband had been away. So we were away for three nights, four days, three nights. Flew into Pisa saw the leaning tower did did you do the photo I may have done the photo you have I have to do I had to do the photo um and we then went on to Florence and we went to a um I mean it was amazing the arts the architecture I'm an urbanist it was amazing but one of the things that we did was we went on the Taste Florence tour and I heard about it on a podcast called Gastropod they um went not just on the Taste Florence tour, but also had the Taste Florence uh, people set up all of their interviews uh, around kind of northern Italy. But um so I went on this Taste Florence tour and it was amazing. It was, So it was walking through a city, eating food. It's, Literally combining. It's my two favourite things. All of my favourite things. So you start out in a notcheria, which is, I know. I Say know, it again. A notcheria. Oh, darling. And it basically, um, it's... It's a butcher shop, but for like cold cuts for like salamis. And then you go to a bakery and you and you then go to the market, which was amazing. And there are a lot of uh, kind of these old, old market halls, sort of 19th century market halls. And you find them across Europe. You have them in England um, as well and these places that have been turned into so not just a place where you go to buy uh kind of the raw ingredients but then they have a lot of pop-up stalls they have a lot of and and in this place we had um this sort of boiled brisket with a green sauce it was and it's chili sauce it was amazing 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 and then and then on and 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 cheese and balsamic vinegar tastings and wine tastings and you wind up in this chocolate shop that does their own gelato, and you learn about the difference between gelato and ice cream. And this is and this is what I love about
1: going to cities that are outside of the UK. Wow! Because I do feel like the experience that you had, and it is an experience, mm. Mm. was so much. Yes, you're enjoying the architecture as you're walking around, but these are spaces that are taken that
0: you could you could have gone there fifty years ago. Maybe and, not a hundred years but, ago. And, and as I said in our last podcast, in, in preparation for, for this, I was reading uh, the book uh, The Stones of Florence yes. by Mary McCarthy. And Written so beautifully. So beautifully. And it, but it was really interesting kind of walking around this city that she describes really, really vividly from the 1950s. And obviously nothing in the city itself has changed. Architecturally, no. No. Because it is a UNESCO heritage site. Indeed. And, and can't be touched. Yeah. Quite right. But what was really interesting, so we were there and there was a, um, there was a a, a transport strike. So the train, so the train that we were going to take from Florence back to Pisa in order to get on our flight, to get back home so we could pick the children up from nursery because my carefully choreographed life depends on everything working, (laughs) fundamentally like clockwork. But you were in Italy. But I was in Italy, (laughs) right? So massive transport strike. And we only discovered that the there was a transport strike over uh breakfast. The you know guy in the hotel is like, ah, there's this strike and it's Italy, and what are you gonna do? And we're just like, oh God, what are we going to do? I remembered, because I notice things, I'm a noticer. Mm. Uh when we got into uh the the train station, we, we were walking from the train station to our to our hotel, and I and I noticed a sign. In a just in a cafe, and it said airport buses, private airport buses, and I just saw it in the. Like, it was a cafe, it was a pizza shop, whatever, and I and I kind of clocked it, and I was like, ah, oh, airport, okay, nice airport buses, airport buses, whatever. And we keep walking, and um and I and I looked at Patrick, I was like,
1: I, I know, know a place, I know, I know i guy, seen
0: a sign. <laughs> So we go back and we we go back and, and we are as charming as we can be without speaking any Italian whatsoever. Ciao, buongiorno right. So oh, we, ah, whatever. So we go back and I'm like, so is this affected by the strike? And the guy's like, I, I doubt it, but it's a bust and I was like, Can you the call strike? them? Anyway, so my point is, in aside from the whole public transport situation. Having got the train in it, it's a beautiful, beautiful train ride. Oh, stunning. It's beautiful. Taking the bus, totally different experience. And you realize that as urbanists, we often fetishize these European cities. We're like, oh my God, why can't everything be like on holiday? With these little tiny winding streets and these little, you know, human scale buildings. And this palette of ombre colors. Right. And you get two seconds outside of the city center and it is... High rise concrete. Exactly so, and I'm thinking, wow, no, no, this is this is this is worse than. Okay, I won't name towns that I don't enjoy in England because I I <laughs> That's feel unfair. That I... Or... <laughs> it's unfair on many of the places that I don't enjoy, but you just sort of think, you know what. They don't always get it right. Yes. And also, it was a
1: necessity
0: in terms of urban sprawl. And the point at which you basically say we are not going to build anything new in Florence from the like late Medici period. Yes. So we're going to have to build it all outside
1: because we need all of these people to live and work in the city Indeed. and they can't live in the city. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And that, you know, and I think that's something that I, I mean, I think about that a lot in my in my working life. So this month I I have been to Florence. I have eaten the amazing foods. I have climbed up a vertiginous cliff to get a really great selfie <laughs> and back down again. And yeah, no, and and it was just it was beautiful. It was really beautiful to get some some kind of autumn sun. We need it. We do. So having enjoyed Florence, uh Abby, tell me what's been good and bad in your design life. Well, I've had a very
1: interesting self-analysis period where I have been analysing what I previously thought was good design and recognising that some of it is bad design. Tell me more. Well, I have been finally unpacking my life from storage and I've been going through everything that I've considered as a beautiful adornment and to my house. Yes. It's objet d'art, it's Books, um, it's furniture. Mm. As I've been unpacking it, I've been really asking myself, why do I have this? That came about by virtue of the fact that on a Monday afternoon, I had everything decanted into my living room, and my previous beautiful, newly refurbished space was suddenly full, floor to ceiling, and I have three and a half metre high ceilings <laughs> of boxes. And I felt like a slight crazy lady for having that much stuff. So really went through the process of saying, well, what's in these boxes and do I actually love it? And what I mean by good design and bad design is something that's quite a trodden road now, quite a knowledgeable thing of holding an item and saying, does this bring me happiness? The whole Michelle Condon thing. Very much so. Bearing in mind, I was quite proud of myself. I thought I'd done this. Before I put things in storage. You literally
0: have on your business cards the William Morris quote. I do. Exactly so. Literally on your business cards.
1: And yet. <laughs> and there's yet. always room. And there's yet.
0: always room for more consideration.
1: And actually I think there's quite a, a physical experience of picking up something. So I was physically having to move things out of boxes. Yeah. And I think Michelle is right in respect of you have to hold it in your hands. Yeah. Something that normally sits on a shelf because it is a picture in a frame or a little sculpture or a beautiful candlestick, a, uh, a clock, an antique clock, whatever it may be. And you have to say, why have I got this? And the first thing that goes through your mind is I've spent money on it. Yeah. Or someone's bought it for me. Yeah. Uh, then probably I've had it for a while, mm. which is a bit of, well, there's nostalgia there. Yeah. And then there's this little part of your brain that goes, "Yeah, not that fussed.
0: And yeah. that's
1: the that's the bit that you have to listen to. And I think bad design is ignoring that voice and saying, "Oh well, I sh- I should keep it." Even if actually, sh- I'll just shove it. I'll just shove it. I'll shove it on a shelf. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in a corner so I don't really see yeah. it. Yeah, no, no. I think. If you is not good enough to take pride of place in the central location of where you want to display the thing you love the most, then arguably, I don't think you should have it.
0: I remember, um, so moving, moving my life from Texas to to London, uh, which took a lot longer to do than it should have. Uh, I remember going through my childhood bedroom, and I had some things that my father had given me. Um, my father died when I was fourteen, mm. so everything that my father gave me is incredibly precious to me. Yes, but there were some things where my husband quite reasonably said, "Really, do you remember him because of this? Do you remember him with it?" Like, so, so I have a I have a, a gold cross pen. Yes, that is my father's, which um, I now use every day, and I remember him with it. And it's very, very precious to me because of that. And very powerful, the association with it. Absolutely. On the other hand, there were many other things that, you know, you're a child, your parents buy you things. Do you really need that? Every soft and, toy. Yeah, exactly. Um Certain soft toys, yes. Obviously. Yes, we do. Um, but 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 that kind of idea that actually, no, do you know what? I can let this go. And there's this really freeing sense of just air. It really
1: is. And that is, so bad design for me in that respect is keeping hold of something just because, mm. not for a tangible reason. You kind of go, oh, oh, oh because it, it's detritus. Yep. It's clutter. It's clutter in the absolute sense of the word and it clutters your psychological space it clutters you visually it clutters you mentally because actually if you can't articulate why you have it it's a little mental niggle it's an unclosed loop in your mind that is such a good point that is how I feel about it and so that's the process I went through but I absolutely agree with Michelle you need to hold it and really ask yourself and And, look at it and consider it And, and actually, I've liberated myself from a lot of, a lot of items. But also, flipping on to good design, mm. one thing that I truly love in my home is the quantity of books that I have. I was very lucky that once in my life, I lived in a property large enough to have a
0: room that I called a library. And when I say I called it a library... It, that's because it was entirely lined in books. It was a library. And the quantity <laughs> she of... She didn't lend the books. Oh, no. It was like a library that you could Private. go... And... Right, it, right. Was, it was... Like Downton
1: Abbey. <laughs> but in no way like Downton Abbey. In Birmingham. It, don't, you've made it sound bad.
0: <laughs> no Birmingham's a lovely city. Birmingham is an industrial it's a second city. Well, let's
1: not talk about cities Manchester. that you don't love. Anyway, um so books are one thing that I absolutely yeah. adore. However, we have gone from having a library to having effectively a very large bookcase. (laughs) Uh, Surprised (laughs) to say, I have more books than I have space. So I went through this entire process of books as well. Books are are harder for me because the emotional reaction to a book is very strong when you've read it, but when you actually haven't read that book because it's either something that your partner's bought, it's one of his, or it's something that's been gifted to you, you can't necessarily say, oh, I'll just get rid of it, oh, it's gifted to me. I arrange my books in color coordinated order. In our show notes, I will put a little photo up of how that is. It's that's personal preference. I'm a very visual person. That's how I like to display my well, books.
0: Well, and, and it makes sense because I will remember that a spine is red.
1: Yes, I'm very much driven yeah. by a visual. The image number
0: of book. T- I used to work in a bookstore, and the number of t- fact I know, but the number of times that people come in like it has a red spine, and <laughs> I it think me? it's called something kind of like this. You're like. I have no Seriously. idea what yes. you're saying yes, to It's in my home.
1: I'd be like, that's fine. We'll go to the red section. Upper left. Exactly. Yeah. So one thing I'm doing, which is, I, I'm calling it good design, but actually it is an activity. I am going through my bookcase, my yep. library, yep. book by book, and I'm going to read every single one. And if I don't Bold. love it. Bold, Abby. If I don't love it, It's going. And I don't care if my bookshelf isn't full of Tolstoy and the complete works of Shakespeare. If it's not on there, if it's not a book that I can at any moment pick up, open, just start reading and know that I will get pleasure from it, why is it in my house?
0: And I feel like that's a really interesting thing, particularly in the context of the digitization of books. So I have a Kindle, but I also have a lot of books. So I read a book. couple of years ago now which i have recommended to pretty much everyone i know which is called first bite by b wilson it's about how we learn to eat both mm. as individuals and as a society because my great love has discussed is food food um i read it on a kindle i don't have the book would it be super weird for me to just buy the book no. so i can have it on my shelf no because the that- Given that, that, super weird?
1: given that my test of good design is something that you can pick up immediately open and get pleasure from mm. you know you would do that it wouldn't be a bent spine it wouldn't be a book that's spent 15 days in your bag while you've been commuting and reading it yeah. as you go it doesn't mean to say it's got any less value it doesn't mean to say that you don't have that feeling of looking at the spine and going oh god I love that book or speaking to me book. and grabbing the book and going oh my god read, read this, this chapter thing. yeah here it is and that's what i want to have in my home mm. i have a whole thing and I, I remember doing some work it was for um uh i independent uh, uh newspaper oh, was. the little
0: yeah
1: and i did a, a an article for them where i talked about the importance of books and how the fabric of a book in a room it affects the acoustics huh. it's got it's got a visual impact And I very much wanted it to be the things that you love as opposed to, again, this ego. Yeah. Uh, look Look at the books I have in my bookcase. So I have to sometimes take my own lessons. And that, for me, is good design. Good design, bad design, Rachel. Shall we talk hand dryers? So mine's a little bit more prosaic,
0: but it is something that I feel everyone can relate to. We've
1: been building up to doing this. We have been
0: building up to this. So I have a thing about hand dryers in bathrooms
1: how many occasions have we had a conversation?
0: I may or may not have texted you photos of hand dryers that I feel to be good and bad. I like the idea when you say may not
1: that you haven't done it.
0: <laughs> I've totally done this. You've done it so lot. basically, I have this thing about hand dryers. I want my hands to be dry. Yes, function first. Function first. Function first. I also would like the floor to remain dry. Very controversial. Important. controversial because right so some hand dryers that have just like a straight shot of air that goes all the way down right so they will just power the water off your hands flinging it onto the floor and it could become quite dirty water your handbag could be soaked in the dirty hand water and shoe water of the previous occupants of this bathroom that has happened to me
1: Listeners, you need to know that to this point, Rachel was sitting back quite relaxed with her lovely Cadmus <laughs> on her lap. The moment she Cadmus started talking, the Cadmus is cat. The moment she started talking about hand dryers, she's sat bolt <laughs> upright <laughs> and is gesticulating. I feel really, really strongly about this hand dryers. Is,
0: they make um, me crazy, and that's a reality of good design, bad design, because. Good design, you don't even notice it works unless you are so surrounded by bad design. And so many That, the, that the moment you find a hand dryer, a hand dryer that dries your hands without without displacing, flicking water,
1: displacing all over the water on floor on your hands onto the floor.
0: The moment you find one of those, you you just you rejoice. I have a photo I of sent, a hand dryer. I was sent the photo. The photo of the hand dryer in the bathrooms of um the malmaison in smithfields so i was giving a talk whatever at a at a a dinner and i went in to use the loo and i was like oh you know i'm doing this oh my god (laughs) this hand dryer this hand dryer so it's kind of like a dyson Airblade, but it's not a dyson it's Better than a Dyson.
1: Well, and, and that's what we have to say, actually. So credit to Dyson. They, revel- as they the have abs- with, many, with many, many so different many things. signs, they genuinely said, what's the point of this product?
0: But I feel like this is like rock it? and roll. Okay. So in rock and roll, you have the people who originate the ideas, yes. And then you have the people that make it really freaking good. Yes. Yeah. So these guys are the super rock. They are the cream of the hand dryer world, and I will, I will, I will post a photo. Basically, what they do is they've got um, it's like a Dyson air blade in that it's a it's a single unit. You put your hands in. It's got a little blue light which makes you feel cleaner. Yes, it does, and sometimes it even oh. says. Yeah, and it's got and it's got a little timer that tells I you how long to keep your hands in. You can keep your hands in longer. It's because fine. You can do what you like. Who can say? Yeah. I mean, there's no hand dry police. No, not yet. You would be the the I I captain of that police force. <gasps> Air Force One. No, no, no. Sorry. Anyway, I so, love what you did there, though. Thank you. Yeah. So you put your hands in and you. T- but it's like the hokey Up pokey. You put him in, you Up put him down. out. You put him in, you put him out, and eventually your hands are dry. It sucked the water in, and threw a little drain in the bottom of the hand dryer, and then it's gone. I don't know where it goes. Mind. Not onto the floor. Not onto the floor. My handbag, handbag remains dry. Everything is perfect. I do not understand. I mean, obviously. Obviously, the hand dryers that blow all the water off your hands and onto the floor are mildly preferable. Oh, I don't know, maybe they're not. You know, the ones that are just sort of like a, a lukewarm kind of fluff of air. Yeah, like someone
1: vaguely breathing on your hands.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the, I'm, I'm happy to name it
1: the accelerator hand the dryer. The accelerator hand dryer. It's not hot air. No. It's just a, a blast of air. It's a
0: blast of air.
1: And you know how I don't love to go to
0: Ikea. They they're full of the but well, no they've got both the accelerator and they well, well the one I, in Edmonton. I always
1: I always used to think of the um, accelerator andra in the IKEA that was near me, which mm. is on the North Circular, um, because that everyone when they turn up at IKEA goes to the Lee. before they do the massive a thousand mile
0: walk around or sometimes
1: midway through. Oh, sometimes we are not going to get into the semantics when someone goes to the Lee. right? But they had an accelerator and it was right by the door as you come into the loo. And it just meant a wet patch. And almost every single person that walked through that door almost fell over. Again, bad design. For a company that prides itself on good design, a bad design choice. Do better, Ikea. They probably have I haven't been to Ikea (laughs) in (laughs) years.
0: And if you're interested in Abby's thoughts on Ikea, do listen to our first episode on Ikea. So, our major topic this month
1: is a Christmas! Ding, ding, ding! And
0: Christmas decorations. Holiday decorations.
1: Yes, and actually, that's a good point that you make there, Rachel, because I always think Christmas. But, you know,
0: various holidays So, right celebrate around that time of year. Well, and not even just that time of year. One of the things that I'm really conscious of is, um, being American, we have turned seasonal decoration into something that is year-round. I am constantly in awe of my American friends on Facebook who can be bothered to decorate for St. Patrick's Day. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Easter table setting. The Thanksgiving. Oh, you name know Harvest. Well, se- well Thanksgiving's I mean. fair enough. But it's just, but you just kind of go, oh, my God, there are people who it have enough blurs, time on their hands. Yes, it blurs from Thanksgiving
1: into Christmas. Yeah. It's actually, all you're doing, you're you're doing Thanksgiving decoration, which is, in the UK, we have Harvest Festival. Not really. Not in the same way.
0: I mean, you don't have two days off work in which everybody you know comes to your house, eats a lot of food, lies on your sofa, and farts at you. That is not something that you have. You need to stop inviting those kind of people (laughs) to your house.
1: I don't know who they are, but just uninvite them. Family and friends. Okay. A, your family you can't deal with. B uninvite those friends they are not your friends if they're fasting on your sofa anyway you are quite right in the uk harvest festival isn't quite we don't decorate our house (laughs) for it i mean those who do like good on you but miss the point i feel but but you're right when we're talking about we're talking about holiday decorations we are talking about the 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 movement from retail decoration which as we record this is the beginning of november and already we have got, I think, the Oxford um, street lights are on. Yeah. Probably in local towns around the country the lights are on. I personally am working on a project now quite close to Hatton Garden. And just today I was walking around looking at the retail spaces. And I would suggest nine out of ten have already got
0: their Christmas decorations in their windows. And it's interesting, isn't it? So every year you will get the too soon. Yes, the conversation. It's too soon.
1: Too why soon. Would, why is, what, why is what Christmas is music
0: playing in the coffee shop? It's yeah. too soon. It's always too soon for Christmas music. But like, I can't decide if I'm a massive Scrooge and and just wanting Christmas to be twelve days a year, if you will. You know, it's just just, just a really limited time period. And why is that? Is it is it that I feel that I'm being over advertised to? You know, when I is think... the right time to bring Christmas into your home, I think
1: it's the acknowledgement that we we reach we have a fatigue when we have something that's special. Mm. If you have champagne every single day, on what day do you stop appreciating it? Well, you are talking to somebody that has everyday champagne flutes, so I feel like I acknowledge it was a bad example. <laughs> but my point is that actually the <laughs> no, reason know, no, the reason we become despondent with it because when we start seeing it in november is because we know by the time that the 25th of december comes around it's no longer special to us it has become regular it's are Christmas out we're fatigued we're fatigued yeah. by the sparkly lights and the beautiful chandeliers that are decked the with... relentless goodwill <laughs> i mean my god would you stop with the goodwill already <laughs> yeah but and this is a very important point is that this i see it transitioning from a commercial world into a domestic world it comes earlier and earlier every year in the commercial world because commercial christmas sales are so so important yes in actual fact we know the reason why the christmas adverts are such a big deal for retailers is that those retail sales can effectively keep that retailer going for the entire year and we are talking about the death of high streets and there's, a, there's actually a very sad thing that's aside from the design principles that we're talking about. But when it comes to people's homes and the desire to deck them out. So
0: talk to me about decking the halls, your, like your own personal hall. Talk to me about this. What are you going to be doing for Christmas?
1: So I'm, I'm very much traditional in respect of my traditions come from the way I was brought up. Yeah. That's basis of traditions, right? So I'm a real tree. You're a real tree advocate. Real tree advocate. There's a um, shoots and leaves, which is a West London um, landscape company that sell trees. Mm -hmm. They bring them around to my house. They chop the trunk. The man's burly. I won't talk about that too much. Um, Do you give him a Diet Coke? No, because I feel that's a bit too... Hashtag me too.
0: (laughs) The, Hashtag he right?
1: too. And so, and actually, they're talking about smell as we yep. were earlier. The the, the the smell of a real tree is very, very evocative to me. However, having mm. a real tree, I'm militant. I will not have a real tree before two weeks before Christmas because even with the lovely tree holder that I have, Mm-mm. a real tree doesn't last. Not in central heating. Not in the UK. So actually, if you, I need to have that tree in my property for two weeks in order to continue to get that smell and not have the pines falling, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm very much an advocate of post the second weekend in December, which is, you know, give or take the yep, 10th, okay. the 14th, depending yep. how it falls. I will, after that point, deck the halls. And for me, that is the main living space in the house, which now I live in London. That's my entire property. (laughs) A real tree that stepped out in a series of colours that I have bought many, many years ago. And I slowly add to, as I find beautiful things and slowly take away as ball balls get broken or Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Um, But it's a very consistent palette. It's very similar. I don't have special tableware just for Christmas. I don't have special cushions just for christmas where the dog you store doesn't it? where do you store it a eh? and also for me it's it's an unnecessary level of commercialism and consumerism and materialism that isn't needed yeah for
0: me one beautiful tree enough so i live with a man who hates christmas trees because so he hates the idea of killing something To bring it into the house. And that's a very good point. And as long as we've been married, which is 17 and a half years, we have not had a dead Christmas tree.
1: Do you have a faux Christmas tree?
0: So we, no, uh, so we, so two years running, we had a living Christmas tree, which definitely by the second year was a... Yeah, in theory, more than in practice. We also had an Aspidistra. Yes. Which we decorated as Crispidistra. Yes. I may post a photo of Crispidistra. The Aspidistra itself also died. We're not great with houseplants. Uh, and then when we had the twins, we were uh, given by my mother-in-law this absolutely beautiful uh, Fortnum and Mason Advent calendar. Yes. So a wooden Advent calendar exactly in the shape of the Christmas tree. Yes. I will post a photo of my children being ridiculously adorable next to said Advent tree, which they now call Advent treats because my husband put so much his chocolate in his, little, of it, right? his yeah. little doors, and you yeah. get chocolates out of it, and they're very excited. And you'd run down the hill and go, Advent treats, Advent treats. So I grew up with the Christmas tree, I grew up with um, the nativity scene. And oh. we would i you know some of my happiest memories about Christmas was the process of getting the boxes out of the loft uh we called it an attic, but getting the boxes out of the attic and and unwrapping a newspaper from fifteen years ago before I was born the These, nativity the nativity yeah, the theme, and setting yeah. and setting the nativity scene up. And getting out all of the baubles and saying, "Oh, look! This is the one that Grandma made when she was living in Brazil," and you know, and and all of these sort of beautiful things. And there are these beautiful things that only come out at this time of year, which and you has have an this emotional value,
1: absolutely. Which is exactly what we're talking about in good sign, bad sign. You you feel it, you touch it, you have an emotional and experience it sparks it. joy. Yes.
0: Yet I don't have that joy in my house. So so the in London. I have never had a Christmas tree. We have, n- you know, my children don't have this experience of unwrapping the nativity scene and, un- and, and, and kind of go, oh, look, look at these doves and putting the angel on top of the Christmas tree and the Im- inevitable dad joke about how the angel got on top of the Christmas tree. Yeah. And, um. You know, and it was really funny the other morning. I'm, I'm not even kidding. So the other morning we're sitting over breakfast and I'm thinking, oh, the kids are getting a bit older. I should probably see what they want for Christmas as opposed to whatever it is I will be forcing on them. And I said, Isaac, what would you like for Christmas? And he looks at me. His eyes get all big. He said, "I'd like a tree." Oh my gosh, where's he learned that from? I don't know. But I maybe to be fair, I think it. what he actually wants is an advent, is the advent tree. back treat. he wants yeah. that. But yeah, but I just, I just looked at my husband was like, out of the mouths of babes. If anyone can persuade your husband, it's probably it his is tiny Isaac. mini me. Yeah, but. We
1: both shared our own experiences, and I I absolutely would encourage you to try and move us towards having having the experience you had as a child. It's it's, it's that.
0: that it's that weird unwrapping. It's that kind of these are precious things,
1: and I I I absolutely love that. What I am very very concerned with is year on year, I see my friends and my clients going out and. Almost afresh buying <gasps>
0: this thing this
1: year's version of Christmas.
0: I went to a Christmas all year round store. Where was it? It was in Creef. So this summer I went to Creef Hydro yes. and we ended up going to this Christmas all year round store in August. That's weird. It was weird. I, I don't understand these places. Anyway, so we went in and there was an entire room of pink Christmas. And an entire room of turquoise Christmas. Yep. And I just thought, really? And I feel so strongly that the message of Christmas can't just be about the consumerism.
1: And I also think the reason we decorate our houses is we make it this beautifully ambient place to Mm. be. Something that actually we're very proud of. How many people now do you notice when they decorate their tree, they want to show it off? They face it out into the windows. Exactly. They put it in the most central place. And that's, that's lovely. And actually, if it means that you invite people into your home, that's fantastic. That is the spirit of Christmas. However, if you are inviting people into your home to show off your Christmas, that is a message un- literally understood. And
0: I'm sorry, but like to quote How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That is the great book. Maybe, when people ask what the great book is. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more are wise words it's, I mean I, I, the, the twins love the Grinch and they want me to read that. they have me read it year round
1: and it is it's absolutely it's a beautiful story incredibly deep and full of many many messages and actually the takeaway here is we're not saying that you
0: can't take pride in your home and we're not saying course, that you no. can't have beautiful <laughs> decorations oh I'm sorry we're a design podcast that's not <laughs> interested in people taking pride in their homes <laughs> However, Talk about turkeys voting for Christmas. I know. However, the pressure to
1: every year do it afresh is wrong. Absolute madness. And lean in to the look that you've gone for. Yeah, and even if the baubles don't match, and even if some of them
0: are slightly random, like, if there's a story, tell it. Are you still stuck on purple Christmas from two thousand and seven? That's okay That's if okay. you love purple. Yes, make that your thing. Christmas, but the thing that I find I'm going if- to say something. Okay,
1: Christmas isn't seasonal. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, every year it doesn't have to be different.
0: So one of the things that I've been thinking about is kind of the, the the kind of communal experience. We've talked a bit about the the home experience of Christmas. But the communal experience of Christmas on the on the streets, so that whether that be the you know, the, the Blackpool Illuminations or um, where I grew Regent up, Street, Regent Street is phenomenal. Oh, it is beautiful. Mm. Um, it is beautiful. The illuminations they have are fantastic. Yeah. So, um, so I grew up in Austin, and we have this thing the the Austin Christmas tree, and it's the and the Festival of Lights, and the the fe- the trail of lights. You you have to drive through. And it's it's really rather impressive. You also have the, the 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 Christmas tree in Zilker Park. I will I will definitely post photos of this. But um, it's this giant kind of pole. Okay. And then they make like strings and strings and strings with of lights, lights all the way down, and it's it's massive. It's absolutely massive, particularly if you're six. But it's massive, and you spin around and around and around and around and around. And you get dizzy. And you fall over. And then you go and you sit by a Yule log and you have a toffee apple. And it's this tradition in Austin, um, this, this idea that everybody comes together around these, these lights. Um, and similarly, actually thinking about uh, decorating for, for holidays, not just Christmas, there was a street uh, in my neighborhood where I grew up in Austin um, called Paramount. And I don't know if they still do this. Uh, but when I was a child, at Halloween, every child... In this entire neighborhood, and possibly from further afield, would go trick or treating in this neighborhood because the entire street had done something, right? Now,
1: and this is this is something that's massive
0: in the UK now it, with Christmas lights, the externally and and at Christmas paramount. Yes, people like the traffic. People would go drive and see the lights. A destination. It absolutely was, yeah. and you keep thinking like as an adult now. I'm like. Did people know what they were buying into when they bought a house on this street? Like, were they aware? Was there some sort of, like, like additional contract you needed to sign which said, do you think- I will be ridiculously competitive with my neighbours? Or do you think they were like, wow, the electricity
1: rates on this neighbourhood are really, like, they're really low. Oh, but hold on. There's a clause. So from <laughs> October to December. I have to uh, spend how much Santa on electricity? Because <laughs> I've got to have... 30,000 light bulbs on the Absolutely outside of my house. Crazy.
0: Absolutely crazy. But one of the things that you guys do in Britain, which I don't think we have in the States, is kind of Zedless celebrities switching on the Christmas lights. We love it. What is this? We what? love it. Tell me more. I don't feel
1: like I'm the best ambassador to explain <laughs> to you why someone who is in series seven of Big Brother and came ninth gets to turn on the illuminations <laughs> in Bodmin. The fact is, we want to make something out of anything. exactly. And the fact is, again, coming back to the importance of retail and the importance of footfall and bringing people into town centres, anything that can attract a crowd and get people to come to a town centre is... A reason to be there, and I I have nothing against that. I actually think the illuminations along High Street no, are a thing to behold.
0: They are, and 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 it is something that brings people together. And you know, you, you... and and so what if you know whoever it is?
1: Why has the name Charlie Brooker come into my head? I don't even I'm going to be is. honest. I
0: would. Li- He's the guy who wrote Black Beer. I would who absolutely is. go <laughs> to any illumination opened by Charlie Brooker. That is something I'm like
1: in the show notes we'll find out if charlie brooker is doing any illuminations and then we listening. will go get
0: selfies it'll be amazing
1: <laughs> maybe rachel will i will
0: listen
1: um, we, we we clearly have views on it i think i think the message is decorations good
0: but actually tradition better and create new traditions and be true to yourself like yeah. in anything with design it's good design for you if it exactly makes so. you feel good. Exactly this is so. about, I mean, for God's sake, if Christmas is about anything, it's about sparking joy for you. So in our designing together this month, we've watched a
1: favourite Christmas film of both of ours, I'm confident in saying, <laughs> called The Holiday. Who doesn't love Nancy Myers? Who doesn't love it? And look, it's got Kate Winslet. Indeed. Who is a national I was about to say a National Monument.
0: It's not a building. And treasure. She's national too treasure. young. She's thank too you. young. Anyway. Anyway. And um, Cameron Diaz. Thank you. You're welcome. Now. I would remember The American. Well, of course you would. Basically, it's a film that we like because. Oh my God, is it us? It's the meeting of the transatlantic. Oh God. Yeah.
1: And actually, listen, we don't want to debunk The Holiday. The Holiday is a fabulous movie. It's feel-good fun. You can watch it. It's got everything that you need. It's got a bit of Christmas. It's got a bit of Jude romance. Love. It's got a bit of Jude Law. But actually, I I want to dissect The Holiday talking about perfection versus perfection. And people online, and I am particularly here talking about house and garden and L Decoration both of whom excel the virtues of Cameron Diaz's house in L.A. as the perfect house. Likewise, I've seen American publications excel the virtues of Kate Winslet's
0: house as the perfect. Oh, you mean the impossible cottage cottage, where it is always snowing in some kind of weird non-slush context.
1: But you also can commute to London. Yeah, because she works in publishing in London, and that is the point about the holiday. How is that
0: even possible?
1: Literally, not possible. The holiday is a break from reality. That's why it's a wonderful it's movie It's called
0: The Holiday. <laughs> because
1: neither of their lives are real in, in any way, way realistic. Yeah, and the, it's this trade-off of this these two different forms of perfection that actually both of them have pretty perfect lives from a design perspective. From a relationship perspective, no, because both of them are in these kind of existential funks for their own particular reasons, and that's why they want to swap lives, and, of course, that's why there's the whole jolly story around that. But when you think about it from a design perspective, neither of them are wanting anything. Hmm. And I find it really interesting that we...
0: You from sw- a design perspective or from a material perspective, these are both... We are talking about two very middle-class, rich women... Who are incredibly successful in their own rights? They are single, but happy about it to a Both certain owner extent. Properties. Both own their properties. How realistic is that? Leaving that to one side, like.
1: But I find it really interesting. So you have this—you have this long-limbed Cameron Diaz yeah. who lives in this absolutely sprawling, probably 10,000 square foot home in LA. Mm. Move into. A thousand square foot cottage if in that, Kent, my God. or Surrey, wherever it is, Berkshire. and and she does this thing where she tries to sit in the bath, you know, and her legs are virtually up against the ceiling because it's because a,
0: British people are smaller because British people are smaller, and just
1: like I have, God damn it, you can fit a bath into any space if you try, and I, I but I love it, but it's, it's this idea that you can inhabit a space and in a way inhabit someone else's life. And that's yeah, what they do that's by adopting the design of someone else's life. Because all there is to the design, they don't know each other. They have no, sh- short of three yeah. or four messages. Yeah. They have no understanding of each other. And if you notice, there are no photos of each other. In the properties, I'm sure when you rewatched it recently, you particularly paid attention, attention to that. Your attention to detail is amazing, Abby. But it's quite phenomenal. So in nowhere are they pick up no. At no point do they pick up a picture frame and look at the person and go, "Oh, you, you know, you live in this house. Who are you? You all you, do you know." Get... This
0: makes me think is. Have you ever Airbnb'd your
1: property or rented your property out? I've been in plenty of Airbnbs. I've never rented my own out.
0: So I I occasionally Airbnb my house because it's a four bedroom house. In London. Near enough to central London. And one of the things that I'm conscious of, particularly if I'm doing a longer Airbnb, so a couple of weeks, is that I will take some of the personalising stuff out of the living room, out of the public spaces. I don't have a huge amount of kind of personal stuff I'm not one of these people that's basically decorated my house in I got married in 2001 and here are all of the photos of my wedding like I just like that would be 87 photos no but you know I'll take out the sort of you know five or so photos of my kids or whatever because it's nice to be able to sort of think oh no I live here you do
1: you impress your own personality on it, Absolutely. and even someone
0: else's mugs, someone else's plates. You
1: can imagine in some version of yourself, mm. you were the person who bought those mugs or those plates. Because Whereas why wouldn't I? Because the they're photo amazing. of someone else's children, you're not pretending that they're not yours. Really, my children. No. That's a that's a level of disbelief that we can't really go to.
0: That said, there is always that kind of prurient curiosity, which is kind of going, oh, that's what they look like. You've been to Airbnbs. I have. Where you kind of look at the photos on the walls and you're kind of going, oh, interesting. Yeah. And trying to work out sometimes who the owner is. The weirdest thing I ever did. So I Airbnb'd our house out while we went to the States over Christmas. And a couple of weeks later, we got back and we got a card in the post. And in the card, the card was from this French family that we'd rented our house out to. And there were photos in the card of this family sitting in our house with my That's cat so my cat on their lap. That's so weird. It's like a horse's head in my bed. It was like, oh my god. Anyway. Anyway. So we have watched the holiday, we have dissected it. And what are what are our takeaway thoughts? It's a classic fish out of water, isn't it? And and the kind of just amusing things that can that can happen when you're trying to get to grips with a different kind of culture. But that also, th- this idea that family and holiday—this is you know this is for everyone. This is a kind of is univ- it's, it's that kind of classic universal truth? I think it's Nancy Myers trying to be Frank Capra and fundamentally failing to make it's a wonderful life. Wow. Sorry. And
1: on that happy note. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like no, I like the movie. It's a bit of fluff. I do like the movie. It is a bit of fluff,
1: and you know what it is? It's very pretty. TV. It is very pretty TV. If
0: we all lived somewhere between a kind of LA McMansion and a Thornton's uh, chocolate box how much happier would we all be? Exactly.
1: And and last month there I was excelling the virtues of staying in and watching beautiful design on TV. And actually the holiday in a way is no different from that. We can dissect it and we can criticise it but it makes you happy. That is what it is.
0: Now tell me what you're going to be doing next month. Do you know what? On reflection, based on this entire conversation, I think I may be buying a... Yes? Nativity scene.
1: Oh, okay. I'm super excited for that. I thought you were going to say Christmas tree.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, baby steps. So I want to start some traditions with the twins. I think it's very important. So this is the first Christmas that we will be at home that they will kind of remember. I agree. They are the A. So they're three and a half and I feel like I want and and the thing about a nativity set is that unlike a Christmas tree that will drop pine needles all over your ass for like three months. Yes. A nativity set is something that we can take down. Put away, bring back out. Exactly. And I and I like the idea of the sort of mother and child and you know, it's lovely.
1: Yes, and 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 it's something that they
0: it does. It tells a story that we we can talk about. I love that. I really look forward to seeing that.
1: Must find one. Meaningful. Not difficult. I will help you. Okay. Well, I am going to do something we talked about earlier. That entire bookcase that I've got Mm. that's covered in beautifully colour-coordinated spines, I will pick a book to start with, and then I will run in order. And I'm going to do a little activity, which will be shown on our Instagram page and on our Twitter feed, each book I'll take a photo and then I'll describe how I've got on with it amazing i really am serious about undertaking a design audit and that means that is a real commitment abby that's it's amazing it's a real commitment and actually it's not something i'm going to achieve in the next month it's something that's probably going to take the best part of i'd say a couple of years given the number of books that i've got but i'm really really
0: excited so I'm interested are you are you doing like a a a, a moratorium on buying more books That's. I thought this as I was unpacking all my books. (laughs) I thought,
1: well, that's it. I've got to have an embargo. Nothing new. And then, all of three and a half minutes later, I was listening to something about uh, Michelle Obama's book coming out. Well, clearly, there's ready to pre-order. There's a
0: special dispensation for every anything relating to Michelle Obama. Exactly. and of course, the reality is, no, I'm always
1: going to pause and there is going to be an occasion where I, want, I suddenly decide that I absolutely have to reread that particular Harry Potter or <laughs> I'm, I'm researching a particular location or design style and I need to learn about it. However, in terms of my personal reading, in terms of my personal life, I'm going to run in the colour order that I have put them out in and I'll watch this space. I look forward to it. And that will be my everyday design. Everyday design.